The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passions making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. You're amazing, Jesus. Amen. Remain standing. Take your Bibles, please. Turn to the book of Luke. Thank you so much. Book of Luke, chapter 22. We're in the midst of a series called Warning, Don't Be Deceived. Everybody say, Warning, Don't Be Deceived. The problem with deception is you don't know it. Hence, the word deception. When you're deceived, you're deceived. We've been preaching along those lines. We talked as we were led by the Holy Ghost to preach on a hedge, a hedge of protection and how we need to grow hedges. And we talked last week about, about healing blindness. And this evening, as we join in breaking open God's word, we find ourselves in Luke 22, starting from verse 47, a very familiar passage to many. And we do have notes for you. Luke 22, 47. If you're all there, say, woo! All right, good. Praise the Lord. Are you ready? Not that it's a race or anything, but on your marks. Get set. Go. While he was still speaking, behold, a multitude, and he came and called Judas, and, the tw and of the twelve, one of the twelve, pardon me, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When those around him saw that he, what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus answered and said, permit even this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and captains of the temple and the elders who had come, have you come out? as against a robber with swords and clubs. When I was with you daily in the temple, you did not try to seize me, but this is your hour and, and the power of darkness. Verse 54, having arrested him, they led him and brought him to the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. And now when they, when he, when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard, sat down together. Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him. But he denied him, saying, Woman, I don't know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You are also one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow was also with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you were saying. Immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, and how he had said before the rooster crows, You'll deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time that we have together that we can freely worship you. 
And we ask, God, that you would speak to us. Give us living understanding. Illuminate our hearts by the truth of your word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will remain, will endure forever. May we never be the same. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, in my house, I have one of those alarm systems. Some of you might have an alarm system in your house. On occasion, the alarm is set, and I'm not quite ready, and I open the door, or I open a window, and the thing screams and hollers or begins to beep, beckoning me to hurry to the control panel to punch in my code so that it doesn't just pierce all our ears and let off the alarm and indicate to the alarm company that there's a problem in my house. Peter had an alarm, happened to be a rooster. We all need what I would call roosters. We all need alarms. See, what, what, do, you, what do you mean by that? Well, let me ask you, who are the roosters in your life? What alarm systems do you have in your personal life to help you? To indicate maybe that you're headed the wrong way or that a window is open, if I could say it that way, or a door, maybe even a forbidden door, is open. Who are the individuals in your life that sound the alarm when you're headed for trouble? Recently, they've put these backup alarms on vans and trucks, and uh, I like them. Uh, they've always been you know, trucks that beep, but now they have these, um, you know, little laser sensors to tell you when you're close. They even have cameras now. Most accidents happen when people are backing up. Who are the individuals that are in your life that signal you that you're off track or you're about to hit something? Do you listen? Do you listen when they, when they go off? It may be your spouse. It may be your pastor. It may be circumstances. It may be your child. I know that I'm, a, I know that I'm an, an alarm for, for some folks. Might be an alarm for you tonight. When Peter denied Christ, uh, it was prophesied by the Lord that a rooster would crow, uh, crow after denying him three times. And when that rooster went off, it brought him back to reality. It woke him up. Reminds me kind of the prodigal. He just kind of came to his senses and said, it's time for me to go home. And it's really exactly what Peter did. There was a very famous musician who had Dove Awards in the early 90s and failed. He committed adultery, married, slept with another married woman, ended up giving back his Dove Awards. And he went on 10-year backslide of turning his back from the Lord. And, and then eventually in the early uh, well, in the early 2000s, he, he gave his heart back to Jesus. And everywhere he goes, he, he's remembered as the guy who fell. And when interviewed by World Magazine, they asked him how he felt about that. He said, actually, it's wonderful. Because it, if God needs to have these roosters in my life to constantly remind me to keep me on track, then I welcome them. What a perspective. Let's look at the text. Uh, it's a powerful text that helps us navigate through our life, really on many levels, and keep us from deception. A brief summary here. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Religious leaders come with huge military might. You've got to ask yourself, what are they afraid of? Uh, the water walker who raises the dead. They come with a massive army. 
I mean, really. They're totally freaked out. And they come, and I love what John's gospel says. He, Jesus says, who do you seek? And they say, we seek Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. And they all fall flat. I just, I just kind of like that. And uh, in, the, in the Luke 22 that we read, Judas comes and betrays him, gives him a kiss. There's two swords. If you study it out and look at it, Peter gets excited, asks Jesus, is this the time for the sword before he could get an answer? He lops off Malchus's ear. doesn't say Malchus here, but we know that from looking at a composite view of the Gospels. He chops off the high priest's servant's ear. And Jesus addresses the leaders. He puts the ear back on. I mean, that might have been kind of cool, you know. Oh, you got a problem? Just puts the ear back on. When you look at the text, you see really uh, a distinct difference between Christianity and Islam. I'm going to step in it because I just like to. You just see a distinct difference between Christianity and Islam. Islam expands its kingdom by the sword, and that is not how God expands his kingdom. You know, you, I, I really want to encourage you. We had a time of prayer on Sunday. Uh, if you were in the second and third service specifically, there came a real, uh, what I would say, a, a one accord, an unction. There came tremendous power through corporate prayer. I'm all for praying at home. I pray at home. I pray in my prayer closet. I pray throughout the day, just like many of you. But there's something that is different when a group of people come together in the name of Jesus and they come in one accord and they pray his will. It's like using, I mean, at home, you know, you have a framing hammer and then you have a jackhammer. You know, if you're going to beat up some concrete, framing hammer is going to take you a little while. 90 pound jackhammer, a whole lot faster. There's something about a corporate anointing, corporate prayer. And on, on Sunday morning in the second and third service, it was like, we just hit something. I don't want you to let up for those 40,000 people that are up on a mountain. Don't stop praying, please. I mean, America is so spoiled. We got it easy. We got the doors open. We're preaching, Shondayan, Shuba, lifting our hands. Hallelujah. Run around the building if we want to. Sing as loud as we want. I mean, you just can't do that there. And they're being persecuted, and they're up on a mountain. How many of you know what I'm talking about? 40,000 people, and God help America step up and do something beyond just a little, uh, a, a little, um, you know, a little effort there. We, we really need to step up. Jesus, help us. It is a big difference between Islam and Christianity. And I don't want to take the whole service to talk about that. But it's a huge difference. Islam expands his kingdom through fear, through greed, through, through death, through intimidation. And God expands his kingdom through love, forgiveness, healing, deliverance. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Islam does not have the Allah is not who we're praying to. It's not, it's not our heavenly father by another name. Different God, all right? It is not the same God. Somebody say amen. amen. Well, praise the Lord. And so look at the notes. Jesus, Jesus repudiates the use of the sword to advance the kingdom. In fact, in Matthew 26, 52 to 53, he says, put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father? And at once he will put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. Do you know how many that is? Dude, one angel in Hezekiah's day took care of what, 185,000 or 180,000 troops? One angel, just one. 12 legions? <laughs> you don't need a whole bunch. You don't need a whole, Lord, send a whole band of angels. God, I need a band of angels. You, one would do. 
Really one. And it's not that Christian and Christian nations don't go to war. There are times to go to war. There is evil in the earth. Jesus heals the servant's ear, and it is significant. It's significant because, as I said, God expands his kingdom through healing, through deliverance, through freedom, through the power of the kingdom of God. Amen. And there's times when darkness reigns, and we're, we're in a time when darkness is, is really expanding, especially in the Middle East. And if you look through history, there's been times when, when tremendous, uh, tremendous evil was reigning. Nazis through Hitler and the called Jews useless eaters. You can, and you've got fools in the earth that say it didn't even happen. The killing fields or Idi Amin. I mean, you can look through history and see how there was tremendous evil. Saddam Hussein and all the people that he killed. And ISIS now. There's moments when evil attempts to overwhelm the world. It's time to stand up, people. But it's a very different... Make, you make sure you vote. And if you didn't register to vote, repent and register for next time. Amen. You know, last week, uh, they had the 100th anniversary of the Assemblies of God, and uh, Dr. Morocco went to that. It was in uh, Springfield. And he met a um, uh, pastor and his wife from Iraq. And uh, they have a church there, and uh, they are going back. I think they're on their way back now. And they really honestly don't know whether they're going to go back and get slaughtered or not. But they know that God's called them there, and they're not, they're not hirelings. They know that God called them to go there, and, and they believe that God wants them to stay. We know nothing about that. We, we are concerned about whether our seats are stained or whether it's cool enough or hot enough in here. We, we freak out if our batteries run out in our, our remote control or if our easy chair gets stuck and you can't put it up all the way to kick your feet up. I mean, we, we, we really get bent out of shape about some stuff that's just, you know, unbelievable. I was talking to a brother that got angry because he was in the shower and his wife was supposed to bring him a towel or something. He just got so frustrated that she didn't listen to him and bring him the towel when he wanted. I thought, what? Jesus, help us. And I thought, I've just done a bunch of stupid stuff just like that. We'd lose our perspective. You'd be very thankful that you're holding a Bible in your hand. The Chinese church, they memorize the thing. They, 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 they do anything. I've, got, I've seen videos where they just get a chapter and they, they bring it to themselves and they're weeping with tears running down their face, praying and thanking God that they get to get a, a chapter or just a few pages of Scripture and they memorize the whole thing. Well, praise the Lord. Let's, um, let's look at the next point. We see three betrayers in this text. We see Judas, the religious leaders, and Peter. All of them are deceived. Every one of them are deceived. I don't know about you, but I don't want to end up in deception. And I certainly don't want to become a betrayer. And I think that when they were coming along, you know, Peter didn't think when he's just cruising and hanging with Jesus and feeding the 5,000, he didn't think to himself, dude, I'm going to betray him. That's what I want to do. No, he's the guy that said, I'll never, hey, everybody else might leave. I'm going to stay. But in fact, he denied the Lord. How did 
that happen? How, how, how did it happen that he ended up denying the Lord? Each, each person did it for a different reason, betrayed Jesus for a different reason. They were in, they were in uh, deception, really, for a different reason. Judas, anybody know what, it, what his reason was? It was money. Judas Iscariot did it for money. And it's amazing that Jesus made him the treasurer. You got you to gotta go, wow. And he, he did it for money. It's just amazing what people will do for money. Religious leaders, they did it for power. I think they were concerned about Jesus encroaching on their territory. And so they, would wanted, to, they wanted to clip him off and hold him back so they didn't lose any power and authority. And Peter, I think Peter failed due to his pride and, and self-preservation, I would also add. Pride and self-preservation. Mark 14, verse 27, let me read this to you. You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Verse 30, truly I tell you, Jesus said, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. He was sure he was brave enough to follow Jesus. He got into the courtyard. He was brave to get out of the boat. There, I mean, Peter just reminds me of us. <laughs> he just puts his foot in his mouth, you know, but you got to give him some credit for some of the boldness and stuff. But his, it's his pride that it caused him to end up, end up really losing out and self-preservation. And I think maybe he, would, he was saying something like, you know, the ends justify the means. How many of you know the ends don't justify the means? I've, I've, uh, I've counseled for many years, been in ministry nearly 20 years, and in the time I've been in ministry, I've had people in my office say this, I just don't love my wife anymore. And I met this other woman, and she respects me and loves me, and I just don't feel in love with my wife anymore. I... I mean, I just want to get a spirit of slap. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Look, love has nothing to do with feelings. Hello? I know that might be a shock for some of you, but it has nothing to do with feelings. Feelings are overrated, then they come and go. Praise God for the warm, fuzzy feelings. Amen? Love is, love is, love is commitment. And if you allow, and, and people justify, well, I need the emotional satisfaction and make me feel like a man or he makes me feel like a woman or, or whatever the justification is, emotional justification, it's a bunch of bunk. You see, because <laughs> they allow emotions to get the better of them and say I'm in love. Love is not love unless it's tied to truth. Let me say that again. Love is not love unless it's tied to truth. And if you've committed yourself to your spouse till death do you part, then um, get a grip, get some help, start acting loving, and the emotions will come back. That's, that's bonus. Start doing things that are loving, even if you don't feel like it. Bring flowers, do different things that you can, and, and love, love your spouse. Men like flowers too. Come on, somebody say amen. You'll find the feelings of love begin to return. Amen. The end result of what happened, Judas kills himself. The religious leaders kill Jesus, but they're ultimately destroyed by the Romans. And Peter repents, and he leads his fellow disciples. I believe that God is speaking to us in this series tonight. 
warning, don't be deceived. And here's what I believe he's saying. Jesus is continually attempting to warn those who would betray him, those who would be in deception. He's continually trying to reach to us when we're off track, when we're messed up. And he uses any and all means. I've been rebuked by a newspaper. I mean the headlines of a newspaper. I've been corrected by a small child. Does anybody, am I the only one? I, I, I mean, I've needed a lot of correction. I know maybe you guys didn't. I, I did. I just need a steady hand from the Lord. I think I'm starting to grow up in God a little bit. I'm thankful for that. But there's a continual concern on behalf of God to keep us free from deception and failure. The Holy Spirit is constantly reaching to us, constantly trying to touch us. One of the prayers we pray nearly in every morning prayer is we say, Lord, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be pleasing to you. If there be anything on the inside of us, Lord, that displeases you, is there any sin on the inside there that we don't know, Lord, will you show us so we could repent? It's a great prayer. God sees your weaknesses. He sees my weaknesses. And he's constantly trying to attempt to wake us up so that we don't betray him, so we don't fall away, so we don't go through pain. Look, God wants you to succeed. God wants you blessed. Come on, somebody say that. God wants me. Say it like you mean it. God wants. Yeah, that's a revelation for many people. God's not trying to beat you in the head and smash you into obedience. He's trying to lovingly woo you into maturity. And it's not about now, it's the, there's an age to come. This is just learning to rule and reign with him. This is a test. This is an internship. 70, 80, 90, maybe 100 years. I don't know how you live, but at the end it'll be over. Then you enter into the real thing. This is just school. How y'all doing? Some of you hadn't gotten out of kindergarten yet, and he's trying to bring you along. Some of us are late bloomers, Hallelujah. But God is kind and patient and loving and long-suffering, not wanting any of us to perish, but all of us to come to repentance. The rooster for Peter was a signal. It was a signal for Peter. Peter, wake up! And it, it snapped him out. It woke him up out of his self-absorption as to blank. Has anybody spent any, a lot of time around teenagers? <laughs> Raise your hand if you spend any time around. Yeah, all they can think about is themselves. I mean, it is amazing. Mostly. I mean, mostly. Western teenagers. I've found that many times we get so self-absorbed. We all have a problem you know, thinking that what we have to say is more important than the other person. We all have a problem with pride, and, and, and we need to check that. As you abide in Christ, he'll reveal to you where you're worshiping yourself. <laughs> Somebody said, what do you think is the, the main God, uh, you know, false God in America? I said, it's probably self. Self needs to be dethroned. Amen. But the rooster, the rooster not only signaled to Peter and, and for us to wake us from self-absorption, but it showed that Jesus had all authority. You know, they get this. This is amazing. He's been arrested. 
And he's, he's being led to a trial. It's a false trial. False witnesses. All kinds of mistakes and errors and breaking the law. And there he is. And the rooster goes off. And Jesus looks at Peter. And Peter's like, oh, he was right. And he well, goes outside and he whips bitter, bitterly. What it means is that even in the midst of Jesus' arrest, he was in control. I mean, the rooster had to obey. The rooster obeyed God. The whole trial, everything, God allowed for all of that. You know why? So that he could go to the cross. That was his, his mission. So that he could die in your place. Die in mine. So that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, we'll be saved. There is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. The name of Jesus. You need to call on him. We need to repent, every one of us. And we need to give our lives to him. And then he makes you new. He washes away all the sin. He throws it as far as the east is from the west. It's not religion. Look, you don't need a rule book. You need a savior. Come on, somebody say amen. Thank God he's given us a rule book. Thank God he's given us his word. Amen. Sharper than any two-edged sword. But if all you did is just have to read this and, 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 and have some knowledge, then that's not true. You need to come to a revelation of your great need for a Savior. You need to repent. We all need to come to a place where we repent at some point. Repent of our sin. Ask God to forgive us to come into our lives. And then you are made new. First, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man or woman is in Christ, he's a new creation. God makes you new, washes you, cleanses you, writes your name in the Lamb's book of life. It's not going to church that makes you a Christian. You can't, be, you, you can't become part of the kingdom of God just by going to church or reading your Bible any more than a monkey can become part of the human race by wearing a suit. You could have baptismal waters dripping off your face and split hell wide open. It's, it's, it's a decision in your heart. And by the way, it is a command to be baptized, but you don't have to be baptized to go to heaven. But it is a command. You should do it. The rooster crowing showed that Jesus had all authority. And it, not only that, but it, it signaled a new day. There comes an assurance that, that we can trust him and rely on him. And that he, look, his mercies are new every morning. Now, I know it's not morning right now here in Alaska, but it's morning somewhere. His mercies are new every morning. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. So, so just hear the rooster and go, okay, 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 I'm going to live for God now. Just, it's a decision that you make. I heard one person say, well, you know, people don't really turn their lives around until they get to the bottom. Well, some people's bottoms are, are deeper than others, meaning you can go in your backyard with a shovel and dig a, dig a hole three feet deep. You can dig another hole six feet deep, and you can dig another one 20 feet deep. Now, if you jump in the bottom of the three-foot hole, are you in the bottom of the three-foot hole? Yes. How about the six-foot? If you jump in the bottom of the six-foot hole, are you in the bottom? How about you jump in the bottom of the 20-foot hole? Oh, yeah. In my case, I got out a backhoe and dig all, dig, dig all the way to hell, and then I jumped in. Listen, you don't have to go all the way. Every, you have to go all the way. All the, I mean, you can wake up tonight. 
Tonight you could wake up. There's a new life for you. I'm not talking about being a religious person. I'm not talking about joining King's Chapel, for goodness sake. I'm talking about being redeemed. I'm talking about being washed. I'm talking about being cleansed. I'm talking about receiving Jesus. Hear the rooster in your life. If you've got a, a half-baked walk with God, stomp it. Stop. Wake up. Wake up. Change your direction. It's a new day. Everybody say it's a new day. God brings roosters and warns us. and It's not a message of condemnation. It's a message of hope. It's a message of hope. Now what did Peter do? Well, he repented. If you would send somebody after Minister Micah for me, that'd be wonderful. One of my ushers, I would appreciate that. Peter repents and ends up, all the other ones get crushed in judgment. Judas, the religious leaders. But Peter rises from his deception, rises from his self-absorption, rises from his place of betrayal, comes to his senses, weeps bitterly. And then the next time he sees Jesus, they go fishing, and Jesus is on the, on the banks there of, of the water, and he's roasting some fish by a fire. And Peter freaks out, jumps out, and swims in to shore. He comes to Jesus and Jesus says to him, what does he say? He says, Peter, do you love me? And, and Peter says, and I'm paraphrasing, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He says again, second time, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, I love you. He says, feed my sheep. And he says a third time, a third time, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep, feed my lambs. You know what Jesus was doing? He was recreating the scene of Peter's failure. The last time Peter was at a fire with Jesus, of course, Jesus was in, in trial and on the way to crucifixion. The last time he was at a fire, he denied the Lord. And Jesus recreated that scene, I believe, and, and allowed him to reaffirm his love for, God, for him three times, bringing restoration and healing. Now listen. You might have been in deception. You might have denied the Lord. Maybe you've been going your own way. Maybe you've been living self-will, run riot. Maybe your life is just on the rocks. You can hear the voice of this bald head preacher under an unction of God saying, Wake up! Wake up. You don't have to keep going the way you're going. You can stop. You don't have to head down the road. It doesn't have to be years from now where you come to your senses. Tonight could be the night that you wake up. Say, what do I have to do? All you have to do is believe. All you have to do is believe and repent. And th this, is a, this is a message for those who've never given your heart to Jesus, but it's also for all of us. Has God been trying to get your attention? Has the Lord been trying to wake you up and say, um, you should stop that flirtatious relationship you have with the secretary or with your boss because it's leading, it's heart adultery. Stop. You should stop stealing from work or 
doing whatever you're convicted that God's speaking to you. Look, it doesn't have to be something that's even in Scripture. I, the Lord has messed with me my whole life, and He can do that as much as He wants to. He'll say, He said things to me like, Son, you're not drinking Coca Cola anymore. I wasn't even like a Coca Cola holic. It's not like I was having six, I'm gonna just have one with lunch. And so the Lord would say, No Coca Cola's now. I'd be like, That's probably not the Lord. Praise God, drink a Coca Cola that day. As I'm about done, I'm like, was it you? Next day, again, the Lord's like, son, no Coca-Cola today. You know, and I get into the, the, the supermarket and I open the thing, I put my hand on the, on, the, on the Coke and I'm thinking, no Coke. Okay, okay, okay maybe that's you. And what I found as God would speak to me, little things like that. You know, not all the time. You can be a spiritual fruitcake and not even have your feet on the ground. So I can't leave home because he didn't tell me what to wear. I mean, that's weird, okay? Hello? And I found it as we listen to his voice. Listen to him. Listen, listen to the warnings. Have a very tender heart, a tender conscience towards God. Why? Because the devil's a bad devil. Devil, bad, God, good. Say it. Devil, bad, God. Listen to God. He's trying to help you. He wants you to win. He wants you to succeed, which basically means this. Having what God says you can have, being who God says you can be, and doing what God says you can do, so that in the end you hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Success has nothing to do with money, has nothing to do with worldwide status or ministry impact, has nothing to do, listen to me. If you allow that to drive you, that's a worldly overlay for, for ministry and, and being a Christian. Well, you're a successful worshiper if you cut a CD. Nonsense. Success is, is being good and faithful and being a servant. Don't get tied up in all that mess. That's a torment. Take it from somebody who got set free from that. And I'm constantly bringing that plumb line. I used to say things. This is for pastors now. You might translate this into Spanish for my dear brother. Would you translate this for my brother? Because he'll like it. I used to be tormented as a pastor. I would say things like, if I have to pastor a church of 100 people the rest of my life, I quit. Oh, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> not a good thing. The Lord corrected me profoundly and shifted my priorities to not how big a church I can get, How big a corazón can you get for God? How much can I love Him? Can I, can I, can I have 100% obedience to God? Pleasing Him, living for Him with total abandon, not the fear of man, not trying to get a pat on the back, it ain't about money. And you know, the fascinating thing, 
is when you live that way, you'll live satisfied and you'll live fulfilled. And then you know, you know what I've found? Is you just might have worldwide impact. But that's not the goal. Jesus is the goal. Can you say amen? Stand up on your feet, won't you, all across this place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Want to hear your voice, Lord. Want to hear your voice, Lord. Say, this is the way. This is the way. This is the way. Walking it. Walking it. Come on, ask God to make you sensitive to His Spirit. Make us sensitive to You. Forgive us for where we've been prideful, self-absorbed. Where we've had the attitude of, gimme, gimme, my name is Jimmy, or tried to manipulate our way into victory or success. Lord, we do not want to end up deceived. We don't want to end up like Judas. We certainly don't want to end up like the Pharisees. And, and really, we, we don't want to end up like Peter other than the repentance. We want to do that. So Lord, forgive us. Come on, ask God to forgive you. Every one of us is messed up. Lord, forgive us. There are a number of people here, you are not right with God. You simply are not right with God. And if you die, God forbid, you roll on down the driveway and get in an accident and it's over for you and you no longer breathe, you know flat out you would not be going to heaven. And I'm telling you that God brought you to this service for the express purpose that you would make a decision for Him. That is why you're here. So if you're here and you know you're not right with God, you've never given your heart to Jesus. You've never ever given your heart to Jesus that you can recall. And let me say this. If you can't remember when you gave your heart to Jesus, you probably didn't. Because when that's real and that really clicks, that's something you don't ever forget. And so you've never given your heart to Jesus online, those in the congregation. Or number two, you did give your heart to Jesus, but you know that you're not living for him and you want to make a fresh commitment to him. I call selling out for God. Amen. Sell the farm. Don't live one foot in the world and one foot in Jesus. Tormenting way to live. Live for God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Or thirdly, you're just not sure and you want to be sure that you're headed to heaven. If you fit in any of those categories, number one, you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time. Or number two, you need to recommit. You know you need to recommit to God. Or number three, you just want to be assured of your salvation. Every head bowed, every eye closed, people praying all across this place. If you fit in any of those three categories on the count of three, put your hand up. One, two, three. Do it right now. Quickly come to the front. One, come to the front. Meet me right here. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Come, 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 come. Come on, come. All the way up front. Don't hesitate. Come on, praise God. Jesus tonight. 
come back to your way. Lord, have your way in me. Now look at me. Everybody look at me up front here. Everybody look at me. Look at me. Eye contact. You're going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask you to say it out loud. Do I have to say it out loud? Well, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. And that's why I've asked you to come up, not to embarrass you. I don't want to embarrass you. But there's something about saying, I'm all live for God. The Apostle Paul said, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. There is something about speaking it out loud. So all of you out there, you're right with God, I pray and hope. Amen. If, it, if you're not, it's not too late to come. There's no shame. Come. There's one more person. Come on. We're going to sing it one more time. It's okay. It's only 835, so it's all good. Amen. And we're going to sing it one more time. If that's you, there's one more. There's at least one more person. If that's you, come as we begin to sing. Come on. Right now to I Jesus. Live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every, every moment, moment I'm awake. Have your way. Have your way. Amen. Okay, we're gonna pray right out loud. Just pray with me. And if you responded to the front, great. If you didn't, it's okay. Just pray right out loud. Mean it from your heart. Say with me. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. And thank you for rising again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. I'm sorry. I'm coming to you the best way I know how. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me and cleanse me. Break every chain. Break every bondage. Break every curse. Even in my family line, break every generational curse. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Now say this. I'm forgiven. I'm washed. I'm cleansed. I'm a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. It's a new day. It's a brand new day. God's got a plan for my life. He's got a hope and a future for me. And it's going to be glorious. He's going to use me. I'm going to have a hunger for the Word of God. 
I'm more than a conqueror. I'm victorious in Jesus. I'm God's friend. Greater is he who's in me than he that's in the world. Nothing's impossible to them that believe. Amen. Lift your hands as a sign of surrender all across this place. Holy Spirit, come right now. Fill. Touch. Healing Jesus. Heal. Heal broken hearts right now. Restore relationships right now. Healing Jesus. Heal. Toby, come here quick. Quickly come.
the Savior, you're the Savior. You're the Savior, you're the Savior, you're the Savior. You're the Savior, you're the Savior. You're my Savior. You're the Savior, you're the Savior, you're the Savior. You're the Savior, you're the Savior, you're the Savior. You're the Savior, you're the Savior, you're the Savior. You're the Savior, you're the Savior. You're the Savior, 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 you're the Savior. Come on now, just sing in the Spirit. Now those of you that just gave your hearts to the Lord, or maybe you've never been baptized in the Holy Ghost, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is available for us. You don't have to white-knuckle it. You can walk in power. You can walk in authority. You can have authority to resist sin, to live in victory. Come on, if you want that gift, God's going to fill you with His Spirit. He's going to come upon you. He's going to fill you. It's like being pickled. Come on, just lift your hands and ask Him to fill you and give you a prayer language and baptize you right now. Some folks sat back down, but if, if you could, uh, Minister Vicky, if you just take everybody over here, just slide over to Minister Vicky over here. Minister Vicky, wave at us. All right, we just want to help you for a second. If you were up front, you went back to your seat. Come on, come on, sweetheart. We'll just take a minute. We're going to close. Did you guys get something from God tonight? Did you get something from the Lord tonight? Did you get refreshed? Amen. Listen to the roosters. It's all right. Yeah, come on up. Minister Vicky's going to help you, and I need leaders over here. If you would, please. Amen. All of my leaders, would you go help? Go ahead. Go ahead. Help out. We're going to pray for them. We're going to close. Come on. Let's just ask right now that God would help us to reach our families, to reach our community. And I want to pray for those 40,000 believers that are on top of a mountain tonight. Let's intercede. They're okay. We're taking care of them. They'll be done in just a second. Let's lift our voice and pray right now for those who are being persecuted. Father, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We pray, God, your protection over we pray, God, a shield of protection. Even Psalm 91, round about them tonight. Lord, that you would protect them. Lord, the blood of the martyrs, it cries out to you. Lord, children that have been beheaded and killed. 
people have been raped and murdered. Father, we're asking for your intervention tonight. Lord, on that mountain, those 40,000 people, intervene, God, supernaturally. I thank you that we'll hear testimonies. I thank you that we'll hear about the glorious grace of God and how you intervene. Lord, touch them tonight in the name of Jesus. And help us, Lord, to be thankful for our Bibles and going home to our warm beds. Lord, we thank you that you have given us the freedom, Lord, in this country. We may not waste it. Be grateful, Lord, of all that you've done. In Jesus' name, take someone by the hand as they're continuing to minister to these as we close. Father, thank you for what you've done. Come on, pray for each other. Lord, bless those online. Bless those here. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us and give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll hope to see you on Sunday. If we don't see you sooner, God's good. He's on the throne. The devil's been defeated. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.